All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed just that little snippet, little video there. Just a reminder that, again, it's Mother's Day. And I just want to share with you a list of nine things a mother would never say. It would never say this, all right? How on earth can you see the TV sitting so far back? Get closer. Never heard that, right? How about this? Yeah, I used to skip school a lot too. Yeah, no big deal. Hey, just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look so much more cheery. Mm-hmm. Here's one. I think I've heard this before. Let me smell the shirt. Oh, yeah, it's got at least another week in it. No, I've never heard that one either. How about this one? Yeah, go ahead and keep the stray dog, honey. I will be more than glad to take care of it, to feed it, to water it, and pick up after it. Yeah, not that one either. Well, if Timmy's mom says it's okay, then it's okay with me. Uh, No, okay. The curfew, that's just a general idea to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. No? Okay. How about this one? I don't have a tissue. Why don't you uh, just use your sleeve? Mm, Okay. How about last one here? Don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill is bound to improve. Yeah, I've I've never heard that either, right? I don't remember ever hearing any of those things from my mother, and I'm sure you as well, right? But listen, somebody around here has to make sure we all survive during childhood. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate it, right? Usually those tasks are for mom. They help us survive. They have been instinctively given that gift by God, right? But let's be real. They don't just want us to survive. They want us to thrive, right? I believe that. They want to put that window decal in the car that says, my child's an honor roll student, all-star athlete, first chair flutist, top cookie seller, whatever it may be, right? Our moms want us to survive and thrive. I believe that. I really do. And God wants his children to survive and, more importantly, thrive as well. And I believe that. Last week, we began a series on how to handle this current crisis that we're in. And it's not about survival. It's about thrival. And I don't know if that's a real word, but we're going to use it, okay? But it's like being stranded in the desert all by yourself. You are just there. You didn't ask for it. You didn't plan it. You don't want to be there. But here you are, alone, annoyed, depressed, discouraged, confused. And the amazing thing is, is that during this desert experience, you get to decide how you respond. You get to choose your attitude and behavior as a result of your attitude during this moment, during these times. Maybe you can't be told where to go or who to hang out with, but you do get to choose your attitude. Now, the prophet Elijah, he experienced a great victory. We talked about this last week. A great victory. Then he ran in fear and he hid. God came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, not like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you doing? Come on, Elijah. He communicates in such a way to Elijah that basically he tells him, I know how you feel like you are alone, but you're not alone. What are you doing here, Elijah? We cannot allow our feelings and emotions during this time to drive us into a cave like Elijah in complete isolation in this personal pity party. It stinks. I get it. But we're not alone. 
Church, we can't handle these times alone. I really don't know how people do it without God. I, I, I really don't. And maybe you need to ask yourself, are you trying to do this without God? In this pandemic and during this difficult and discouraged and desert-like time, I want to encourage you as believers in Jesus Christ to trust our mighty God. You are not alone. You have not been abandoned. And you are equipped and empowered to not just survive, but thrive. I believe that. And I will preach it till I'm blue in the face. Let me remind you that Jesus Christ told us to abide in him. How do we abide? Well, we began last week by saying prayer. Prayer is just simply talking with God. You can pray anywhere at any time. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. See, we grow in prayer by praying. Growth in prayer doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It will certainly happen as you continue to pray. The discipline of prayer in time becomes delight in prayer. And during this difficult, discouraging, desert-like time, prayer must be part of our daily life as Christians. We must make every effort to establish prayer and let it develop over time. Being a person of prayer... Probably one of the most important callings in our life. It's not optional. It is essential for our spiritual well-being. Remember, it's not about survival. It's about thriving. God has already changed our hearts. Now, let him change our mindset. Commit to spending more time in prayer. Now, Rhonda Borton sent out uh, over this past week a daily uh, post about praying. Our church email sent out. Um, I believe a lot of those put together. 30 days of prayer. It's a good start by just simply reading one of her posts and praying that. If you struggle with how to do it, that's a good start. But I want to continue today in thriving. So grab your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, that's going to be something that's going to be different when we start back up. We tell people we give them a Bible. We can't give them a Bible right now and take it back. So make sure you bring your Bibles when you start coming back. Many of you do. Just a reminder. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, the ESV version says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice? Really, Paul? Now, for those of us that don't know the background of this scripture, let me help you out. Understand that the author of this book is Paul. Paul is in prison. Prison. Feel the cold floor. Absorb the darkness. The dampness of the situation. Feel the shackles, right? Prison. Now, whether Paul was under house arrest or whether he was in a dungeon-like cell, he's experienced prison 
more than once in just like those situations. He wasn't arrested for opening a hair salon. He wasn't arrested for a hate crime or stealing a worse. He was arrested because he loved Jesus Christ and he's telling everybody about him. He writes down in that moment while he's under arrest, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. He is always so full of joy. How can that be? Now, it's like he said, if you didn't hear me, let me say it again. Rejoice. Be full of joy. I don't know. Let's try this. Look at the person next to you. Look at your dog, cat. If you have to open a door, scream it outside. But just go ahead. Just go, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Yeah, we actually got to maybe hear some around here. Thank you. I'm glad you guys chimed in. What do we mean by rejoice? I mean, think about this. He has lost control of his life. And, and he's happy. Oh, wait, no, he's not happy. He's joyful. He's full of joy. There's a big difference. Happiness is ex- external. Happiness is I'm happy if my team wins or if I get an encouraging note or I, I reach my up. I found a $10 bill or a $5 bill or $1 bill. You know, I'm happy, right? That's external. It's determined by what happens around me. Joy is internal. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is supernatural. It's not dependent upon what's happening around me. It's already something that's in me because that's God's Spirit, which is joy, is in me. It's a result of abiding in Jesus. So how do we respond when we lose control of our life? Do we rejoice? Are we glad? Do we thrive? We should be because we've got God's spirit in us. And maybe we just sort of forgot. I'm going to pause. And I'm going to make a statement that many of you are going to agree with and some of you are going to definitely disagree. Don't come unhinged, please, okay? And don't be sending me emails. It's all fine, okay? This is just my opinion, okay? But I believe that mothers raise up children making every decision for them. Mm, some of you are like, right? Okay, what to eat, what to wear, what kind of haircut they're going to have, right? The school or preschool they're going to attend, the sport or hobby they're going to engage in. Who makes those decisions? Does that two-year-old, I want my haircut this way. No, it's not happening, okay? Mom decides. Mom decides what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. Just look at some of your old school pictures. I know you didn't choose that, okay? Just think about that, Okay. Women have this instinctive gift of God to show nurture and care. More so than us men, that's for sure, right? And they're sometimes better than us men at showing love and emotion as well. And so women use this gift of nurturing and love and emotional care. And and the challenge comes in learning to let go of control. Mothers for so long control the direction and the growth of their children that when it's time for their children to become independent, especially college, they struggle. They can't. Mom won't let go of that control stick, right? And maybe that it's not so much a fear of letting go of the control. Maybe it's the thought of I'm no longer going to be a mom if I'm no longer doing this. Listen, moms, you are always going to be Mom, you will, even when you have no control. But this, being in charge, the mama bear, (laughs) that's real, isn't it? It is. 
And I'm, I know, I'm stating my opinion, my thoughts. I, I, there's nothing negative about this. Matter of fact, I did some research. Okay? And if moms are to be faulted, it's because they love their children so much that they get irrational about it. Okay? Here's my research. Um, Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know if you remember that cartoon. Okay? So, for instance, in this comic strip, Calvin approaches his mom. He says, hey, can Hobbes and I go play in the rain? The mom's like, no. Well, why not? Well, you'll get soaked. And the kid's like, well, what's wrong with that? Mom's like, you could catch pneumonia, run up a terrible hospital uh, bill, linger a few months, and then die. <laughs> it's like, what? Calvin's like looking out the window. And he says, I always forget you. If you ask a mom, you get a worst case scenario, right? So, I, you know, I get it. But men, now ladies, you can sort of relax on this one. Men, we're not much different. We really aren't. We like to control as well, but we like to use that word power, right? If we have somebody to boss around or whatever it may be, we like having power. No one is going to tell us how to get where we're going. I'm not going to ask anybody for directions. I got this. Oh, leaky faucet, squeaky door, broken whatever. I'm not going to call anybody. I've got this. I'll do it myself, right? I get that because as a man, I like to have control. We all like control, don't we? This may be why many of us are getting so overwhelmed during this pandemic because it's out of our control. And we don't know what to do. We're so used to being in control of things that not being in control is really bothering us. This spring is not what I wanted. This coming summer looks like it's not going to be what I wanted. I wanted to control all the events and the camps and the things. It's out of my control. I wanted sports. You wanted musicals or proms or graduation events, banquets, weddings, and it's all out of our control. And it's bothering us emotionally, mentally, and then it just spills into the spiritual part of our life as well. What are we hoping for? Control? Are we hoping for a lack of problems? Or are we praying for the presence of a powerful God? See, when we're in the desert, don't pray for the rain or don't pray for water. Don't pray for shade. Pray for God to give you the strength to endure to make it through the desert. Pray for the powerful presence of God. Go back to Philippians 4. I want you to notice where this rejoicing attitude begins for Paul. Knowing the situation of prison and discouragement and depression and disgust, he was actually addressing the issue of unity in the church. That's sort of how the book of Philippians began. And do you see the foundation for which Paul is standing on? He says, rejoice what? In the Lord. In the Lord. It's the Lord that gives him the ability to be full of joy. Because God's character includes joy. And Paul rejoices in the Lord. His focus is not prison. His focus is not loneliness. His focus is not his lack of freedom or lack of control. His focus is on the Lord. Joy in a sovereign God. A God who's in control. Paul's not in control. But God is. Mm, get your pens ready. Get your Bibles ready. I'm going to be going through some things. Last week I encouraged you to begin thrival or thriving by by praying, and let me ask you this, but who are you praying to? Who are you praying to? Do you realize who the God is of your prayers? Do you know who he is? Listen, he's not a genie in a bottle that you rub and get three wishes. He is not a cosmic cop 
that you slow down for every time you hear about church or pastor or something Christian related. He is not the big man upstairs that's going to bless you with some crumbs of good things. And he's not the old man that can relate to you in retirement age. No, he's none of those things. He is God, the great provider. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything we enjoy. He is God, the great provider. He is God, sovereign one. Psalm 71, 16 says, I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. God is the sovereign one. He is God, the possessor of the keys to free you from that prison of sin. Revelation 1, 4-6 says this, Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He is God, the ultimate one who makes you safe when spiteful crowds oppose you. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock on whom I find my protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. He is God, the one who forgives your past and nudges you forward in life. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness, our wickedness. He is God, full of grace, giving us what we don't deserve. There's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness so that met to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. He alone is God. The foundation of our prayers, the one whom Paul found joy in. He could say, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, but we can't leave out the most important part, the part in the middle that says, in the Lord. That's how he prayed. He understood who he was praying to. And when we understand who we are praying to, it changes our prayer life. Because he's in control. I don't have to be. What a relief, right? When I look at those things about who God is, the one about forgiveness just sticks, doesn't it? If you were at a restaurant and somebody walked by your table and your bill is sitting there, the waiter or waitress just plopped it down, and somebody just walks by and grabs your bill and they walk up and they go pay for it, what would you do? Probably shock you, right? Probably surprise you, especially if you don't even know who it is. You might even go up to them, well, what are you doing? Like, I want to pay for you. I saw your family and I saw you and I just want to pay for this. It would be an amazing thing, right? Now, I've had that happen before, and not so much that kind of situation, but where somebody blessed our family or blessed me. And that's hard. I, I'm one of those uh, very prideful men who's like, I can do this on my own, right? And so when somebody does something for me, it's difficult. But my parents always taught me to let others bless me. They said this, don't rob others the joy of blessing you. Never thought about it like that before. In other words, don't take away their opportunity 
to love you in the name of the Lord. To be the church towards you. In the same way, I'd say, don't rob God the joy of blessing us with forgiveness. He comes along and takes what we owe, that sin, and he says, I'm going to pay for this for you. He's the God of forgiveness. Rejoice in the Lord. A few verses later, Paul says this, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. The word is also translated anxious. Anxious. Isn't it amazing that when something happens around us, we get anxious? So we, we worry. We, being anxious is sometimes like this. We've got a motion detector outside our house. And our system is so sensitive that even on a rainy night, the reflection of a car, its lights on our rainy driveway sets off the motion detector. A spider web sets off the motion detector. The wind blowing the, the label on the back of a chair on our deck sets off the motion detector, which I finally just ripped off the label. But it's so sensitive. Those little small things, small and, insi- small and insignificant, set off the motion detector and get anxious. In the same way, in my head, it's those small things that trigger anxiety in my life. I find another spot on my face. I'm thinking, oh no, it's probably more, more cancer. Or I, I, I see a situation on the news and my, my heart starts racing when it was really nothing. The phone rings late at night. It's like, oh no, what is it? You know, my heart races down the anxious track thinking, alert, alert. Anxiety is sometimes set off by the smallest insignificant things. Yes, we, we need to be alerted to danger, but we don't need to live in a state of constant high alert. Again, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Place your anxious mind and your worrisome hearts in the Lord. Pray and focus on the Lord. Hebrews chapter 1 verse Three says this, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Did you see this? He sustains everything is what the verse says. Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful word. Sustaining is a perpetual verb here in this in the Greek, meaning to carry on, to bring, and to continue. He is exercising supremacy over all things, and it's a continuing thing. He is active in this world. Again, he's not abandoned us. He's not left us alone. Oh, you're in a pandemic? Good luck with that, guys. I'm out of here. No, no, no. He is still here sustaining things. He is a mighty God, still active and supreme. Jesus, the sustainer of all things, said this in Matthew 5, 45. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of our Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. He is still doing things. He says in Matthew six twenty six, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in, in uh, barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than they are? He is still sustaining. He is still bringing. He is still giving. God is in charge of all things. God is supreme and rules over all. God's active in his creation. He didn't wind it up and just walk away. Are your prayers right now in moments of being anxious founded upon the most supreme God? Most high. Great sustainer of all things. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Not just sometimes. 
always. And again, I say rejoice. Again, written by Paul in prison. But you know, he wasn't the only biblical character in prison. Do you ever think about Joseph? Old Testament, Old Testament, yeah. He was in prison. He was sold into slavery by his hateful brothers. He was abandoned by his dad. After all, as we read, his dad never went out and looked for the body. He's like, my son's dead, huh? I'm going to cry. But he never went and searched. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, spent two more years in prison. He was forgotten by the cupbearer. When he, the cupbearer was released from prison, he was supposed to tell, oh, Joseph helped me, forgot. And he's supposed to rejoice? He did. God heard Joseph's prayer. He saw Joseph's steadfast faith. Even during prison, we read this. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Oh, he was in the midst of a lot of junk. But God, who is sustaining everything, who is supreme, saw this. So I'm still with you. Fast forward in Joseph's story. He's released from prison. He eventually becomes second in charge in the nation. He is reunited with his family. A huge forgiveness party takes place. And Joseph says this to his family. I love it. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of so many people. Joseph understood that all that he went through, the the junk, the discouragement, the depression, the being alone, the abandonment, it was all part of God's plan for something mighty. The desert or desert life was real for Paul and Joseph. And it's real for us too. Church, I'm going to tell you right now, yoga, stretching, concentrated breathing, meditation, might bring a little bit of relief, but not complete relief. What we need is someone divine. And that's God. And I love how Joseph stated it, but God. That's why we pray. We must connect with the supreme God who sees all, knows all, and controls all. My job's in jeopardy, but God is still sovereign. My, my cancer is back. But God still occupies the throne. My relationships are so rocky right now. But God shows me how to love. I'm so anxious and frustrated. But God gives me courage. God allowed the evil intentions of Joseph's brothers to happen. And he used them and he rerouted the evil plans to good. And God will use all things for his good, for his glory for his purpose. I don't know if you ever read the book. It's a thick book. Okay. It's called Unbroken. You, some of you are just like, I'm just going to watch the movie. Okay. I've got the book. It's like 416 pages. And if you know the story about Louis Zamperini, uh, there were so many bad things that happened to him between him between pages one and 400. Right. But at the end of the book, it was good for Louis. It was so good. But let me give you the ultimate illustration. Jesus on the cross. Acts 2, 23-24 says this. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grips. We all thought that was the end of the story, the death of Jesus. It wasn't. It was just the end of a chapter in a very thick book. 
And we're still living today. Everyone thought the life of Jesus was over. Two words, but God. Do you trust God? He has a plan for you. And sometimes that plan includes a long delay. It's unfortunate that we all have to go through difficult, discouraging, desert-like times and anxious times. But we get to decide to trust God and his providence. We get to trust his plans, a sovereign God, a supreme God. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come forward. And as they come forward, I just want to remind you, God is in control. Even when God is in control, we may ask, why this? And that's okay to ask. Why now? Why was Joseph in prison? Why was Paul in prison? Why do I feel like I'm imprisoned? Why a pandemic? Why can't the seniors finish the school year as planned? Why divorce? Why death? Why, why, why? And it's like a puzzle with so many pieces. It seems unsolvable at times. I'm just going to ask you, pick up the cover of that puzzle box. Look at the final picture. It's going to be so good when it's all pieced together. But right now, we're in a moment when we're just feeling out of control. That's okay. Because there's a God who has complete control. And we can trust him. And I want to invite you right now to surrender to that sovereign God. We sang about it. All to Jesus I surrender. Great song. We've sang different songs this morning that if you recognize, it's like you've got to trust God who's in control. Maybe you haven't. I want to encourage you right now, wherever you're at, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're listening, do you really trust God? Is he the Lord of your life? If you're sitting at the table of life and you know your sins are sitting right here on the table and you've not confessed them to God, will you allow him to walk up and pay the price for you? Wait a second. He already did pay the price. The question is now, will you accept that gift that he's given you? New life in him. Eternal life. A love that's never ending right where you're at. Ask yourself that question. Have you confessed your sins to a holy God? Do you want to trust him? Right where you're at right now, just go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes and pray to this God. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring so much about me that you look into my life and you see my junk, my messes, my mistakes, and you want to clean them up paid the price by sending your son Jesus Christ to die for me. Thank you, God. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. God, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess that to you now. Forgive me, Lord, please. Take away my sins. Help me to trust you. Help me to put my complete faith in you because I can't do it anymore. Thank you, God. prayed that prayer. I'd love to know. Let us know so we can pray for you and help you grow in your faith. Maybe you're a Christian. You've already prayed a prayer, something like that. It doesn't have to be word for word. It's got to come from your heart. But maybe you're struggling with control right now and everything that's going on. Rejoice, my brothers and sisters. Rejoice in the Lord. 
always. Again, I say rejoice. You've got God's spirit in you. God's spirit is joy. You've got joy in you. Do not let the devil lie to you and confuse you and scare you. You've got joy already in you. So rejoice. Again, I'll say it always. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Rejoice. And if you feel like you're blown right now as a Christian because you're not rejoicing, that's okay. Ask God to help you. Seek out another Christian brother or sister. Pray with them. Get alone again in prayer. You want to thrive? It starts with prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you that as we seek you, we are seeking a sovereign God, our shield, our provider, our sustainer of all things, the forgiver of our souls, the rescuer of our our souls. God, thank you for being an incredible God. So God, today, we just come to you and say, I'm putting my foundation, my prayer life in you. I'm not hoping. I'm praying. I'm seeking you. For I know who holds me, who sustains me. That is you, God. God, help us as we go through this week to live in a way that honors you. That shows the world that in when things spin and out of control, we have a peace. We have joy. And when people look at us and say, why are you so joyful, God? Let us give them an answer that honors you because of my faith in God and his son, Jesus Christ, and the spirit that's at work in me. Let us be an example. Let us be a testimony. God, thank you so much for this day that we have to worship you. Thank you so much for this time. God, we want to sing to you now. We love you, Lord. In the name we pray.